Who needs to go potty? <laughs> I'm just saying. She's like, oh, that's not helping. Well, we just wanted to help you relax. I don't need to relax like that. Oh, man. We wanted to help you relax everything from Bob Ross to 60 seconds of waterfalls. You know why? Because you're busy. Everybody's busy. It's just life. It seems to always be that way. And you know, it, it wasn't too long ago that I began to realize that it's not just a season anymore. Anybody else realize that? People would say, well, I'm just in a busy season. Well, I'm just in a busy time. I'm just in a busy season, okay? Followed by another busy season, followed by another busy season. So now it's no longer seasonal. It's just the way it is. Busy, busy, busy. Now, I'm sure there are some people that need to kick it into gear a little bit in life and need to get some drive and ambition. I'm sure there are those people out there that really need to kick it up a notch or two. But we're not talking to you. If that's you, that's another series for another time. I'm talking to the majority of us that just feel like we're so busy. Do you realize that we now use busyness as a greeting? It's an accepted greeting. We greet one another with how busy we are. Hey, how you doing? Man, I'm busy. I'm busier than ever. Right? It's like, man, tell me about it. I know how it is. Ain't the truth. Yeah, man. Just, I mean, what if someone said, you know, hey, how you doing? Man, I got nothing to do. I'm just so sick of sleeping. I'm just, I'm just, you know, after a while you get so rested, you get bored. Right? You know? No, I mean, we just punch that person in the throat or just push them down and keep walking and pray for them. Jesus help them. But, you know, kind of thing. It's like you don't want to hear, you don't want to talk to somebody like that. Because the truth is, is that we use it as, as a way to communicate value and worth. It's a sense of pride and honor to be. If you're busy, you must be very, very important. It's interesting how we do this. And the other thing that's fascinating to me is that no amount of books that we read fix it. Um, just because you go to a seminar doesn't mean the problem goes away. Uh, you can make news resolutions. Problem doesn't go away. You can even hear sermons. Fantastic sermons. Life-changing sermons. And doesn't fix the fact that you're still going to be busy. So we've decided, we've decided to approach in this series, busyness a different way. Instead of saying, y'all need to slow down and you need to take some time off. And all those things are good and all those things may be true. And we're going to talk about a lot of different kinds of things that touch on that stuff. We felt like, though, the best way to approach this hustle series, where we talk about our excessive busyness, is not to say eliminate busyness, because if you can eliminate busyness, it's going to be short-lived, because we drift to busyness. We drift to busyness. That's our cultural drift. It just happens automatically. The better approach then is not, don't you be busy, it's let's get better at being busy. So if you're going to be busy, and you are, let's make sure we're busy at the right kinds of things. Let's get busy. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> That's funny. That's a different series. Sorry. That's just one of those like that. I just say get busy. I just said get busy. All right. Anyway, I'll collect myself in a minute. Let's get better at being busy. And we're going to talk about how to do what matters. We're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about a rhythm of balance in life and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to lay a foundation today to kind of, 
to kind of help us get started in getting better at being busy. And this is a group series, by the way. And we want you to get in a group with people and talk about this because you'll learn so much from each other. And in this group series, there's so much you can do to encourage each other and identify with each other. So at all of our locations, we have that information for you. Uh, I think at our Kernsville location, it's in your seats. At Oak Ridge and maybe at Jamestown, they'll be giving it to you at the door. Or you'll get it at some point, uh, information on how you can get in a group. It's not too late as we talk about the hustle. Life is a race, so we've been told. That's a common analogy, the race of life. Uh, often, because we're so busy, it's referred to as a rat race, right? Because when people think of life being a race, they think of a sprint, they think of a dash, like a 40-yard dash or a 100-yard dash, and you go all out as fast as you can go, and then you just collapse, right? Now, I, I think it's not a bad analogy to say that life is a race, but... Not the kind of race that's a sprint or a dash. No, no, no. No, life is a race, but it's much more of a marathon. It's much more of a journey. The race of life is a long haul. And so when you approach it that way, it makes all the difference in the world. And to help us get into this thinking here of why we need to talk about the hustle, I, I want to present to you two words, share with you two words that both rhyme with the word race to help you remember. We're going to have a little Dr. Seuss moment here. And so the first word I want to talk about in relationship to the race of life is the word chase. Chase. We chase in the race because of what we want. We want things that we don't have, and we want to be people that we're not, so we chase. We wear ourselves out chasing bigger, better, nicer, newer do you know why I chase? You know why I find myself being pulled into the chase of the race? Because I want bigger, better, nicer, newer. Do you know why you get pulled into the chase of the race? It's human nature. We want bigger, better, nicer, newer. It's just the culture we live in. We got to acknowledge that we chase stuff and money and jobs and we chase who we want to be, who we think people expect us to be, who we wish we could be. We chase because we want to have more, and we want to be more, and we want to do more. We chase because we want to have more, we want to be more, and we want to do more. So we're just grabbing. We're just reaching for this and that in life, and we're just chasing after just about everything we think that will get us to where we want to be. We chase, chase, chase. The, the visual of a, being at a two-year-old birthday party comes to mind. If, if you've not attended a two-year-old birthday party in recent years, boy, you are missing out. It, it's fascinating, actually. Um, see, you don't drop two, your two-year-old off at a two-year-old birthday party. You don't drop them off and, you know, go out to dinner or anything like that. Why? Because two-year-olds don't have birthday etiquette. They don't have birthday party etiquette. If you'll notice, all the parents go with the two-year-olds to the two-year-old birthday party. All the moms and dads are there. And the reason they're there is because they have to hold the kids back. Right? It's time to open gifts. And so every parent's got their kid because they know what's getting ready to happen. Right? And so as soon as the kid in the middle, the birthday boy, the birthday girl, they open their gifts. It's like all the other kids, you know, I want that, I want that. And it's grabbing and I'll take that and I'll take that. And they don't get it. And then they fall out, ah, you know, on the floor. And it's just, it's a beautiful, fun time. <laughs> Let's get pictures now. Sit up straight, sit up, sit up straight. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> We're going to remember this forever. 
Oh, flashbacks. Yeah, two-year-olds, they just grab for stuff, right? They just, they see it, they want it, they just take it, take it. But see, that's the way we live. That's what this chase is. We see someone else and we just take it. It's kind of automatic. It happens. It's a part of our culture. We don't even realize we're doing it. And then there's also this fear that we're driven by this fear. And it actually, it's, it's such a real thing. We've given it a name. It's called FOMO. You know it, right? F-O-M-O. It's called the fear of missing out. FOMO. And some of you are going, oh. That's what that means. I was just going along with it like that's what the hip, you know, that's what the young people are saying. <laughs> I don't know. FOMO, fear of missing out. You see what everybody else has. You see what everybody else does. They have it. You don't. They do it. You don't. And you see what everybody else experiences that you don't experience. And you have this fear. And you don't even realize that you have this fear. But you have this fear of missing out. And so you chase, you chase, and you're filled with anxiety because you don't have what everybody else your age has. And, and, and you don't have what you think everybody else has that you, you're not experiencing what they're experiencing. And you don't get to do what everybody else is getting to do. You saw the spring break pictures. You saw what everybody else did on spring break. You saw what everybody else is experiencing. And you're not getting to experience that. So you have this fear, this internal fear, this anxiety, this pressure that builds up. So what do you do? You chase, you chase, you chase. You wear yourself out in the chase. You feel behind, and you're trying to keep up. And social media does not help us, does it? Oh, everybody's wearing that. I don't have that. I need to get that. Mom and dad, I need some money. I need to, because everybody's wearing that. Well, we bought something kind of like that. I know, but that was so last year, right? But this year, everybody's wearing this and that. And, you know, mom and dad look at that and say, well, I just should have saved my clothes from 30 years ago because it's the same thing. Or your young mom, you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing all the other young moms and you're like, wow, wow, look at her life. Look at, look at that. Look, look at and her kids. Oh, they're just so well behaved. And oh man, her kids are, her kids are baking. I can't get my kids to eat. I just, what, what the heck? Oh, oh, and they slept 14 hours. Oh, your kid sleeps 27 hours a day. Perfect. That's great. Right? I can't even spell sleep. I'm so sleep deprived. So. Right? And, and so you start feeling, what am I doing wrong? And why can't I have? And why can't I do? And oh, look, they're over here. And now they're taking another trip. And now they're taking another trip. How do they take all these trips? Oh, I know how they do it. They don't give. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Easter was a long weekend, and I'm still kind of like getting over it. Anyway, no, not you guys. I'm just talking. This is kind of stuff that just, whoo. But you're, you're scrolling through Instagram. Are you with me? Isn't it a maddening experience? You're scrolling through Instagram, and you're like, oh, dude, look what he got in his garage. I, I need one of those. I need one of those. I, I, I got to have one of those. Look at their backyard. Oh, my goodness. And so it's, it's just constant. You don't have what they have. You don't experience what they experience. You don't do what they do. And so you chase, and we chase. And we get exhausted, and we burn out, and we get discouraged. And, and here's the maddening thing about the chase. It's never enough. I bet, I bet if you, if you looked back five years ago, I bet if you go back, if, if you're a little bit older, you can go back 10 years ago or maybe even more, but probably just five years will do it. Five years ago, you were looking ahead thinking, if I just had and if I could just do, and if we could just live, blah, 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 then, man, things would be so, man, phew, It'd be 
man, my life would be so much easier. And now you're there, and yet you're still looking five years ahead going, if I could just have, if I could just do, if we could just go, it never ends. There's a second word. Chase, it's about what we want. But space also rhymes with race. It's what we need. It's what we need. It's what we crave. And often, like, like we have the fear of missing out and we don't realize it, we have this desire for space and margin in our lives. Because I'm talking about margin when I talk about space. It's what we need. And often, we don't even realize how badly we need it. We need margin in our lives, space, so that we're not constantly living on the edge Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, you just fill in the blank. You constantly live on the edge. Then the slightest little thing, what sends you over? You you know what that's like, right? Because I've been there too. I mean, you're living on the edge emotionally because you're tired and you're worn out. And he just says the slightest little something. Or she just gives you that look and then it's like, (laughs) what happened? Living on the edge emotionally. You can't live there. You need some space emotionally. We need space, physically, right? Just on the edge, on the edge, on, on, and, and then the slightest little hiccup, man, throws your body reeling. Why? Because there's no, no margin, no margin, no margin, physically. Financially, even applies there, right? You're living on the edge, living on the edge, living on the edge, you know, uh, credit card debt, credit card debt, you barely, barely, because you're taking risk, taking risk, taking risk, and the unexpected doctor bill or the unexpected repair bill or the unexpected any kind of bill, and then it's like, how in the world are we going to put food on the table? Living on the edge, living on the edge. See, that's why you need space. You need space so that you're not living constantly on the edge. And we begin to clue into this as a society. That's what all this minimalistic living is about. It's kind of a reaction, maybe an overreaction. And there's a lot of good to it. I'm not saying it's all bad, but think about it. The whole, have you seen it, what I'm talking about? The whole minimalistic living, like, you know, you want to live in a tiny house. You don't need your big house. You don't even need an average size house. You need a tiny house. Everybody needs to live in a tiny house. Well, I think tiny houses are good. It just depends on who you share them with. <laughs> I think who you share them with depends on how much space you need, right? Tiny house and, and, you know, tiny closets, tiny clothes, that, and that, not like the size of clothes, but you only need like, you know, four, four, four pairs of this, or you only need five shirts. You only need three, and you can just interchange them. That's fascinating. It's interesting stuff. And I'm not saying it's bad, and there's people make a good living, really good living, doing that kind of stuff. Um, one girl, I can't remember her name. Uh, she's some organizing person and, you know, young girl. She just, man, she's so famous and doing all this stuff. Minimalistic, minimalistic, minimalistic. No one applies that, though, to underwear, which is interesting. You only need three pair. No one ever says that, right? Anyway. Do you know why we do that? Because we've clued into this thing. Now, I'm I'm taking you somewhere. Just hang with me. We've clued in. We need some space. Because the chase is wearing us out. Do you know we need space for rest? We need space for relationships. We need space to think, to create, to be. If you're going to serve... That takes space. If you're going to give and be generous, that takes space. The most important things in life need space. And when we chase, we leave no space. When we chase, we we have very little space, very little margin. And we live a cluttered, chaotic life. Chances are, if you were honest enough to admit your life is cluttered and chaotic, it's because you're chasing You don't have enough spacing 
to be able to maintain the margin of sanity and of life. And what if something breaks? What if something goes wrong? See, you need space. There, there's a fix for this, fortunately. There's a fix for this, and it's an attitude. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of things in, in this series. We're going to talk about the relational side of business, and we're going to talk about rest, and we're going to talk about finding a rhythm and a balance and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're going to get there, okay? We're purpose, we'll get there. But we've got to lay a foundation first. And, and the foundation, oddly enough, is it's not something you do. It's something you think. It's a perspective. It's an attitude. It's actually one word. And the word is content. Content. Now, you may think that's a churchy word. It's not. It's bigger than that. You may think that's just something you, you read about in, in the Bible. No, no, it's not. It's, it's much bigger than that. And there's all kinds of fancy definitions but the attitude of being content, I want you to think of one word, one word to define content, the word enough. Enough. And that's very simple. I get it. Enough. The attitude of contentment, being content, is enough for now. Enough for today. Enough for this moment. I have enough. I am enough. This is enough. For now, for today, for the situation and the circumstance I'm facing. Now, that's a hard place to get, but you can get there, and I'll tell you how you can get there. You can get there the same way in the first century Paul the Apostle got there. He got there, and, and this guy was driven. This guy, he was a go-getter in life. So the fact that he's helping people learn how to be content is fascinating, this guy was, man, go for the gold kind of life. This is the kind of guy this guy was, a hard driver. You know, type A, high D, however you want to peg him on personality scales. He, he, man, he was out there at the top. And he talked about this contentment thing. Oddly enough, from prison. He was in prison, and he was writing about being content. What? He's in prison for doing good. He's not in prison because he screwed up. He's not in prison because he made some unwise choices. No, he's in prison for doing good, for honoring God and living out the purpose that God put him on the planet to live out. And he's in prison, writing to a group of Christians in the city of Philippi, and he says, I have learned to be content. I have learned wasn't automatic. I wasn't born with it. It wasn't just like, get me some Jesus and boom, I'm there. No. He said, I've learned. It was a process. And probably like with all process, it takes time and it can be painful. I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. And then he explains what he means by whatever the circumstances. It's a wide range of circumstances. He said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret the secret, there's a secret to this thing of being content, of being able to have the attitude where you say, okay, enough for now. Enough for now in any and every situation. That, I mean, that covers everything, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He said, I've learned, and there's a secret to it. And then he drops it on us. Here's the secret. It's an attitude, it's a perspective you can choose. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. First of all, what is all this? All this he just talked about. 
I can do contentment, I can be content in any and every circumstances, whether I'm hungry or fed, whether I have a lot or a little, whether I'm rich or poor, whether things are going well or they're exploding in my face, I can, I have enough, I am enough, I can do this enough for now thing, no matter what situation. I can do all these contentment scenarios through him. That's the secret. Who's him? Jesus, the power of Christ. Through the strength of Christ, he says, I've learned I can't do it on my own. I've learned that I just can't snap a finger and, and make everything change. But I've learned that Christ will give me strength to be able to look at any situation and any circumstance, whether I like it, whether I asked for it, whether I prayed for it or not, there it is. I have to deal with it. I can look it in the face and say, enough. I, I have enough for today. I am enough today. This is enough for today, for now, in this moment. The secret is the power and strength of Christ. Which, by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to know that contentment works for you too. It's a people thing. It's not just a Christian or a non-Christian thing. It's a people thing. However, if you trust and follow Jesus, you have his power to help you do this. If not, good luck. And so that's yet another reason to trust and follow Jesus. Is he will give you his strength to be able to choose contentment in any situation. Much easier said than done. That's why we need his help. So basically Paul is saying this. Contentment stops the chase and creates space. Being able to say, enough for now. Enough in this moment. Stops the chase and the grabbing and the reaching and creates the space, the margin that you need. Now, listen, let me clarify. Being content does not mean you settle. Being content does not mean you become complacent and lazy and you're like, oh, well, it don't matter. No, no, no. It doesn't mean you become like Eeyore. Right? No. It doesn't mean that you no longer have ambition and drive. No. Being content means you are grateful and you accept your current situation. You are grateful and you accept, but I don't want it. I get it. I get it. But I didn't ask for it. I get it. I understand. I didn't sign up for this. I understand. I'm with you. And do you think Paul signed up for prison? No. I think he looked around and he was like, man, I... Yeah, how to end up here? I mean, I know how I ended up here, but this is what I get for proclaiming the good news of Jesus. This is what I get. I can help so many people. Now I'm locked in prison. So he maximized his situation. He maximized his moment. He chose contentment, and he started writing letters that we're still reading today that are used by the power of God's Spirit to change so many lives. He wrote those from Prison. Wrote this from prison. Are you kidding me? He gets it. He didn't want to be in prison. He'd been out of there in a hot minute had he had an opportunity. And did as soon as he was given the opportunity. It's being grateful and accepting of what you have for now. That's what being content is. Being grateful and accepting who you are for now. For today. Yeah. You see, here's what's interesting. Here's reality. You have enough and you are enough for today, for this moment. Now, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? 
don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I certainly don't know what's going to happen next year. Tomorrow, next week, or next year, you may need more than you have today. And you may need to become more than you are today. But see, that's tomorrow, and that's next week, and and that's next year. Contentment is today, I have enough, I am enough in this moment. Through the strength of Christ. Get this. Tomorrow, next week, next year, you may need less. See, we never talk about that, right? You may need less than what you're, with what you're going to face. I don't know. You may need more. But regardless, I have enough. I am enough. I have enough. I am enough. It's really an issue of trust, gang. This is an issue of trust. Are you willing to choose to trust that God will equip you for whatever you need to have and whoever you need to be to run your race? The key is to run your race, not somebody else's race. God will never give you the grace and the strength to be somebody else. Because, see, that's where our frustration comes, right? We look at everybody else and we go, but her! See, that's who I, that's what I was supposed to, but him, that's what I was supposed to have. But see, but their kids, that was the, no, no, but see, their life, that was what I asked for. That's what I expected. That's what I thought. God's not going to go, oh, wait, my mistake. I got your lives mixed up. No. It's being able to look at God and go, okay, I may not have asked for this, and I may not understand this, but I'm going to choose to to lean into you and to trust that you have given me everything I need for today. Grace for today. Strength for today. Now, listen, listen, It's still okay to desire and to dream and to plan and to pray. In fact, you should desire and dream and plan and even pray. But until those desires come true and those dreams come true and those plans come about, you choose to look in the mirror and say, for today, for for now, I have enough. I am enough. I have enough. I am enough. Not not for somebody else's life, not for somebody else's race, but for the race that God wants me to run. You know what this means? This means that if you and I choose to trust and we really believe that God will give us enough and help us be enough, and we don't have to chase, and we don't have to grab and reach and constantly chase for more, and live on the edge, that we can actually have some space. Doesn't mean we're not busy, but, but contentment allows us to live in the space that's healthy. You know what this means? This means that we really no longer have to fear missing out on anything. Because if I need it, I'll have it. And if I need to be it, I'll become it. God will show me, God will help me, God will lead me down the path. Let me ask you a couple questions. What if, what if God is protecting you from something you've been chasing? You ever thought about that? What if the reason you haven't gotten it is that God's keeping it just far enough out of your reach so you don't get it and hurt yourself or somebody else with it? So you're chasing what he wants for somebody else, what he has for somebody else. 
What if he's protecting you from something? You think you need it. No, you don't need it. See, if you're willing to trust, you're like, well, I don't have it because I don't need it. What if not only is he's protecting you from something, what if he's preparing you for something even better down the road that you can't even conceive? Guys, I cannot tell you how many times as a follower of Jesus Christ and as a pastor, I've had those experiences where I've gone through something and then I've looked back and had a couple of thoughts. Man, I'm so glad I did not do that. And I'm so glad that God didn't allow me to get this when I thought I needed that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I avoided that. And, and, and now that I'm here, I realize what God was preparing me for that whole time. That, that time that I was, thought I was about to lose my mind and I was chasing and reaching and grabbing and because of what I thought I wanted and needed and had to have. And God was protecting me and preparing me for so much more. Quite some time back, I heard Eric, our executive pastor, say something, and I'm not sure if he made this up or he heard it from someone else, but I'll give him credit for it. Eric said this. He said, how you view things determines how you do things. And, and I love that because it's just true. It's not just church true, Jesus true, it's life true. How you view things determines how you do things. That is true for business. That is true for relationships. It is true for yard work. It is true for everything. How you view things determines how you do things. So, contentment is all about how you view. It's all about your perspective. It's all about the attitude you choose. And as a result, when you choose contentment, when you choose, I, I have enough. For now, today, I, I am enough for now, today. Then it actually brings you to a point where it changes how you live. In fact, let me just put it to you like this. Here's what contentment says. Here, here's, what it, here's the view of contentment. This is not just a statement. This can be a prayer. Through Jesus, I have enough. And I am enough for the race I need to run today. Imagine if that was your prayer each morning. Something like, through Jesus, I have enough and I am enough for the race I need to run today. Now, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow's, the race will bring for me tomorrow. But tomorrow, I believe I'll be able to say, through Jesus, I have enough and I am enough for the race I need to run today. And I don't know what's going to happen next week. And I certainly don't know what's coming down the road next year. But when next week and next year gets here, I have enough and I am enough for the race I need to run today. A lot easier said than done. But that is what contentment says. That is what will keep you from aimlessly, exhaustingly, to the point of burnout, living on the edge and constantly chasing, chasing, chasing what you want to have, what you want to do, and what you want to become, that's not there yet. I have enough. I am enough. Now, here's what's interesting. Saying that and praying that does not necessarily change your circumstances. But it will change you. And that's the greater work. And that's more important. Just like the chase. <laughs> the chase doesn't change your circumstances. You're constantly chasing something. 
but it does change you, wears you out, brings you to discouragement and burnout and living on the edge. Slightest little thing goes wrong, everything falls apart. Ah, contentment is so much better. I have enough. I am enough. Imagine if that was your posture, and that is possible through the power of Jesus. That's the key. That's the secret. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm just so restless, though. I'm so restless because I I want to have this and I want to have that. And everybody else our age, everybody else in my season of life, all the other people I follow, interesting, all the other people I follow do this and say this and that I need this. Yeah, but what about the one we're truly following and his care over us? Where are we putting more, more stock? What, what are we being motivated by? Maybe you're restless and you're like, well, I, I just want to be this and I want to be that and I don't feel like I, 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 I'm quite measured up here. And then, okay, whoa, 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 that's just an endless cycle of chasing, chasing, chasing. What you need to do is recognize what you're chasing and why. What you're chasing, what am I chasing really and, and what's behind this? Why? Why? And then choose. Choose. You, you just decide. I have enough and I am enough for the race I need to run today. Tomorrow's not here yet. In fact, Jesus actually said, that's why you shouldn't worry about tomorrow because <laughs> it ain't here yet. And tomorrow will bring its own issues. Tomorrow will get here soon enough. And tomorrow will bring its own circumstances. I, I, I have enough and I am enough today. Here's something I'm realizing is that if I'm not content here, I'm not going to be content there. You ever know that? You ever seen that about yourself? It's human nature. It's not just me. I'm not the only one that screwed up. If you're not content with this, you're not going to be content with that because how we've already talked about it, remember? Five years ago, you thought, if I just had, and if I could just have, and if I could just do, and if we could just this, and now you're there, and you still have the, if I could, if I just, you know, now you're there, you think you're, you're here, but you still feel the same. You're still chasing. So learn contentment today, and it'll be much easier to have contentment tomorrow, and next week, and next year. Now, should you have ambition? Yes. Should you have drive? Absolutely. Should you dream? Yes. Should you pray? Of course. And plan all those things. They all have a place. But that needs to come from a foundation of being able to lay your head on your pillow at night knowing I have enough. I am enough for the race God has before me today. And tomorrow when my feet hit the floor, I will have enough and I will be enough through the strength of the one I follow, Jesus Christ, for the race he has before me today. where it begins is with an attitude let's pray dear father I need your help with this attitude because I can get sucked into the chase so that I'm living on edge and and no margin no space so may I choose may I just decide to be content. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what situation is in front of me or how I feel, 
regardless of the expectations I have on myself or other people have on me, that, I, that today, for now, in this moment, I have enough and I am enough for the race and the assignment you've put in front of me today. And it'll be true tomorrow and next week and next year. And Father, I ask the same for my brothers and sisters that have gathered here. We live under so much pressure, so much anxiety over what we don't have and what we're not and what we haven't experienced. We're constantly comparing ourselves to each other. No wonder we are living the hustle. Father, may we begin by building a foundational perspective that will help guide us, not just through this series, but more importantly, through our lives. And choose the attitude of contentment. And you're the secret. You make it happen. So we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.